Hi everyone and welcome to ABC's Anesthesia. I'm Lahiru. My name's Kas. And for the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about interviews and interview questions and interview training and how to prepare. So in this particular episode, uh, pretty much Kaz has done some really tremendous work here to organize all the things that you'd want to think about before even going into your interview. So really it's episode one, introduction to interviews. And after that, we'll go through some of the basic interview questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get started. Let's go through everything we know about interviews. Everything. Everything. <laughs> now, Kaz, what is the point of an interview? Um, so I think the interview uh, forms an essential part of the selection criteria for most training programs and uh, kind of a lot of professional jobs, really. Yeah. Um, and I think for a lot of selection um, selection panels, it really forms the most discerning part of the process where it does allow for validation of what they see on the CV and the cover letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also kind of allows them to make a bit of a judgment on the person's personality and who they are. So I think it's actually quite a important i would argue it's the most important part of your application would you agree you know i'm i haven't been on that many interview panels yet so i've, I've just taken on a new role where I, I will be doing it far more often uh but you know i'm faced with the fact that inherently i think interviews are important because i want to meet the person mm. before i hire them but i'm not sure about the evidence of interviews showing good worker success or fit or anything like yeah. that so yeah, it's, it's one of those tricky things. I personally feel like I would be able to tell the people I yeah. want to have uh, or offer a job to, but I don't know where the evidence is and I don't think there is good evidence that that's... A- so I actually looked this up. Oh, yeah? I've looked this up a few times over the last few years as I've just done so many interviews and um, yeah. help people with it. The evidence is... Um, it's quite unclear. Oh, yeah, weak to lacking? <laughs> I think I think equivocal. Um, and the reason being is I think it's really difficult to determine a good endpoint. Hmm. So what is a good resident? Yeah. You know, it's really hard to measure. And if it's a qualitative assessment on someone, you know, everyone knows how challenging qualitative research is. Hmm. Um, Let alone doing that in, what, 15, 20 minutes or whatever the interview time frame is, how can you possibly know the scope of someone's um, ability to perform in all the situations exactly. that could occur with lots of other variables and people and factors and yeah, exactly. So I, I was in um, I was in a conference once where they spoke about the role of the interview in selection into medical schools, and I think what they found was there was strong evidence that a good interview score correlated with, uh, sorry, a poor interview score correlated with um, being more likely not to progress through the course. Oh, really? So okay, I think there is some evidence for as I guess almost uh, uh, if you can yeah if you can make the effort to do well at an interview yes then chances are that effort translates to med school. Potentially. But that's yeah. all right. We're not here to discuss the merits the of the interview. You will, <laughs> if you're going for any of these jobs, you know, whether it's in anesthetics or in any other part of the corporate world, you you'll need to do an interview. So might as well get good at it. And exactly. uh, practice makes perfect. So exactly. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, look, it's a chance to differentiate you from the other candidates because, again, going to these jobs, you're, you're very similar to your colleagues. Um, and, uh, you know, again, that 80% to 95% of you will be very similar. And mm-hmm. so the interview really allows you to differentiate. Mm-hmm. And I guess it really um, is about allowing the interviewers to get an idea of your personality, mm-hmm. who you are, um, your communication skills and your ability to communicate in an effective and articulate way. Uh, to, a, to a lesser degree, your ability to think and solve a problem under pressure. And, and this is, might not be a direct assessment, but is often an indirect and kind of kind of a collateral assessment of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think also is to ascertain consistency. So as we said, it's difficult to uh, assess and research, but, you know, it's going to be here. And I think everyone likes interviews and there's um, 
there's a notion that it works. So it's funny when you said um, get an idea of your personality because again, in that 20 minutes yeah. when you you got the potentially you've got these rehearsed answers or you've learned a bit of a spiel about yourself, just not to sound too, you know, you're trying to sound like you have prepared at least something, but you're not too prepared. That's a really weird balance. And oh, I just don't know how, how do you get an idea of someone's personality really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I could throw the question back at you. When you have a new resident or a registrar, how mm. long does it take you to get an opinion of them? It, not, not that it doesn't change afterwards, but an initial impression that is yeah, within the ball. I think, I think it, again, I think the research shows that your initial impression of someone is formed in seconds. Mm. Uh, but again, that's not necessarily correct. Correct. Yeah. Which is which is which is a problem. But yeah. again, doesn't matter. We're not we're not here to argue the merits of first impressions or or uh, the validity of interviews. This is turning into a Sam Harris podcast. Like. That's right. Oh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, we will. So I guess we've kind of touched on this, but um, so you know, as a, as a member of a panel, what are you trying to determine through this process? Yeah. Look, I've, I've thought about it a lot on the other side as well as on kind of the side of it being an interviewer. And it's it's funny to say, but I think if you're generally going to be interviewed by your supervisors or your bosses who are trying to run a department smoothly. Mm. And when you think about what that means, it translates to a lot of things that are almost very little to do with your anesthetic ability again. Mm. Uh, though hopefully that is something that you'll you'll all be able to gain competence in. Uh, but one of the big keys is, being reliable and truthful mm-hmm. uh, because that means that I know that as a consultant, I can be, you know, I, I can leave a trainee in theater. I can be on call overnight and know without a fact, you know, without a doubt that that trainee is going to call me if there's a problem um, that if I've asked them, have they done something that they say when they say yes, it actually means yes. So it's, and it's not. And if they say something like, Oh, it's in the process doesn't actually mean does it doesn't mean that they haven't done it, but they will do it. You know, like yeah. like the fact that someone can tell me even um, difficult answers truthfully, mm. and they can show complete reliability. That's really what I want to I want to get out of this interview. Uh, and then, to a certain extent, so imagine the problems that will cause a department if a trainee isn't reliable or truthful, mm. and what that could mean. That that's that's a staggering problem mm. for any anesthetic department, but also if they can pass the exam and we've got a couple of really big exams and these will take, you know, nine to 12 months of study if you pass it and even longer if you fail it. Uh, and really you got, you have to somehow check whether the, the people you are interviewing can actually pass this exam. Um, and we can go through a few of the things that you, you know, you might need to do to really show that you can pass this exam. Uh, and then, and, and what, why is that important? Why is it important? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you can imagine, if you can imagine a department runs on the cohesive progress of each of the trainees, um, to have someone fail, which is horrendous, you know, for the person in the individual in question, but also the fact that there's so much effort put by the whole team, your, your anesthetic registrars, the consultants, the nurses, everyone is working towards trying to get you through this process. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's just one of those things that you really want to be moving along in your course. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, if someone fails that, you know, that's obviously a really difficult thing that, you know, I think everyone tries to help people with, Mm. but on the other hand, if you thought someone couldn't pass the exam, that there was no way they could pass the exam, you know, if the answer to the question is they can't pass the exam, then it's probably not a good idea for them to be in the training program Mm. for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, so these are these are interesting things because they don't relate to they don't necessarily relate to your ability to be a good anesthetist 
I'm not, and again, I think that's also something interviewers may want to know, like on a panel, Mm -hmm. they'll want to know that you can, you know, work within the hospital guidelines and you're not going to be doing reckless things Mm -hmm. and you're going to progress to become a good, good anesthetist. But in that one, you know, in a very small time frame that you're in that department or in the training program, I think they want to know you're reliable, truthful, and you can get through all the hurdles. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all a very fair point. I think the um, the point about the exam, I, I would never say it's kind of a, a central marker of uh, who gets on the program, but I think it's definitely something that's on the examiner's mind and it's more, uh, sorry, not the examiner, sorry, yeah. uh, the, the, the interview panel's mind. And, and I and I agree. I think um, the, the primary is, of, you know, I haven't been through it, so it's a very challenging process. And I think when someone fails, it's very challenging for for everyone around you because it really is a is a village effort to get people through. Yeah. Um. And I think the and I think what you can do, and we'll get into this a bit more later on, but mm. you really want to show them that you are, you know, academically capable. Yeah. And if you aren't, because like a lot of us didn't study very hard in med school, um, <laughs> you want to show that you've realized that it's a big obstacle. And I think if if you give any notion that you don't think the exam's a big deal, yeah, or that you aren't committed to really altering your life in a pretty substantial way to overcome it, yes, I, I think that is a red flag. And I think it's mostly, yeah, not showing respect for the exam that could yeah, work. Right. To your, I like to that you said that because I don't want people to misunderstand what I've said. That there's no way that. I could even ever know if someone's going to pass the exam or not until they've sat the exam. But, um, and lacking that ability to know, the only way you can really show it is to show that you're serious. You know what this exam means, how much, how many hours of study that you need a study group, that you need a, you know, a structure, a timetable, and you need set goals. I think knowing that goes a big way, which is pretty much spot on what you said. Um, and it's funny, all of these things, what you've said is literally what was passed down to me from the people that I asked about how to get on tennis aesthetic training. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, just the, uh, just paid recycling forward. Yeah, the recycling yeah. the older. <laughs> but I'm really thankful because a lot of these things I didn't actually think about the fact that one of my mates was like, yeah, yeah you got to show that you're reliable, yeah. that you're trustworthy and that you can pass this exam. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that, that really, that, yeah, I rate that. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I have a distinct memory of um, someone who was who told me that when I was a cricket resident, and you know I've been passing that on to everyone ever since. So yeah, yeah, it's clearly um, <laughs> that's right, clearly important. So I mean, yeah. I, I like in your notes that you've mentioned, you know, someone who can contribute positively to the specialty, a mm. uh, person you've re- you know presented in the CV, uh, and your cover letter is consistent who you are. So I think that's all very important. Mm. Uh, and I feel like when we talk about reliability and trustworthiness, and can you pass the exam, it's like the that's kind of the, the bare guts of what it what it takes, but all the other stuff's important as well. Mm, definitely. Okay, so Kaz, um, you've been through these kind of interviews much more recent than I. How do you prepare? So, look, I think um, first step, as with our advice for the general application process, you really have to talk to people. Yeah. Um, I think walking in blind to interview is... Um, is really not a smart thing to do because you're putting yourself in a lot of undue stress mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, anxiety is bred by the unknown. And I think mm-hmm. if you can take away the unknowns as much as you can, you can help, help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I talked to people who said the interview, I talked to, um, people who've sat on panels in the past or present. They're obviously a bit limited in what they can offer and what they can tell you about the actual questions. But I think just getting an idea for how things run is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just try to find out, you know, how many people are on the panel, uh, what kind of questions they ask, what kind of questions do they not ask, do they ask clinical questions, do they ask lateral thinking questions. Um, it's all very helpful. And I, and I think you really should know what you are going to get when you walk in. 
Yeah. So if there's five questions, you, you have you, four, you, you almost know that they're going to be something you've thought about. One is going to be random and maybe it may be random and that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so try to find out what questions have been asked in the past. There are, you know, lists that go around. There are um, plenty of sources. There's lots of books that published in the FRCA because I just think the UK tend to do a lot of things yeah. better than we do. Yeah, that's right. um, and they, they seem to be far ahead. Like I remember yeah. my consultant job just going to anesthesia.uk yeah. and, oh, my God, like they have – in a consultant interview training yeah, wow. there, as well as a bank of pages of questions. And it was amazing looking at some of those questions. I thought, oh, I've never thought about this stuff before yeah, until that point of, you know, thinking about this. So yeah. yeah, getting, getting some of these questions and and seeing these banks of questions and other resources from around the world is probably mm. useful. Yeah. And different training programs as well, because you know, interview questions don't really change. There's some stuff that's specific to anesthesia, but at the, and critical care, um, but yeah, they, they tend, tend to be very much the same. So collect all the questions. I had a big word doc um, that I shared with one of my good friends. Um, it was Evernote actually. And then we then made our own Evernotes based on that. And where we just quickly went through and answered all the questions. So we um, just essentially try to formulate an answer and try to think of examples and substantiate our answers. Um, so I'm a big believer in bullet points. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in memorizing big banks of prose. Yep. I think whether you're a good speaker or a poor speaker, mm-hmm. I think a practiced, memorized, rehearsed speaker is worse than both. Yeah, and we're, we're doing that now. We've got bullet points. Exactly, <laughs> we're yeah. talking about this now. Yeah. We've got bullet points and we talk off the cuff. I mean, it's something yeah. we're relatively comfortable doing, but I think I'm comfortable doing it because I did it so much for interviews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I, I did have one trainee who I believe – he memorized all his answers in yeah. all interview questions, and I was actually quite impressed by it. Mm. Uh, and 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 as I, as I was talking talking to him and trying to throw in some curveball questions, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it uh, he still did really well with those. Um, but it it just sounded a little bit strange. I was super impressed that he could memorize that amount of detail, which was actually a good thing that I thought he could memorize it. But there's something just not quite right about memorizing everything it didn't sound as truthful or as, yeah. as authentic i think and you do then run the risk of answering the wrong question yeah where you know you might ask someone um tell me about a time you had to make a difficult decision and they're like oh yeah difficult situation yeah. and they start telling about a difficult situation and yeah. and you know clearly it's just because they've memorized an answer yeah, and they right. really wanted to get it out <laughs> um so and again if you're not good at talking off the cuff then i think practice you know don't wait till you get an interview offer just start if from this moment you know you want to do anesthesia. I think you should start find people. Um, obviously, if you have trouble finding people, you can you know contact lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so my principles for formulating your answers: the things that I always thought of, um, think and rethink and rewrite and reformulate your answers. The first mm-hmm. answers you think of are not really ever going to be the best. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's good because you've probably worked on these since internship. Mm. So I, I used to have the same document, which then turned into a PowerPoint where I have a question and answer. Yeah, nice. And uh, then I just continually add to that. Yeah. Um, and it's actually quite satisfying. Each year I think about more clinical scenarios that have just yeah. happened. I go, wow, yeah, I've had some really great experiences. This is great. And you know, it becomes this nice little bank of questions. And you have more life experience to add yeah, to it. That's yeah. not, oh, I mean, I was school prefect. Exactly. <laughs> imagine, um, imagine as an intern when you're in a difficult decision and like, Oh, to give one liter of fluid yeah. or two oh, difficult decision. Whereas now it's some, some serious, difficult decisions, yeah. <laughs> wake fiber optic or <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. So um, you've written yeah. here, practice, practice, practice. I think you mentioned it 
uh, a bit more. Mm. Like, uh, and I think you've gone through a bit of this. Like, literally, what did you do to practice? So I had a few approaches. So um, I was really lucky in that um, when we were applying for the jobs, I just had a friend who I kind of knew a bit loosely who I thought was a generally ni- nice person. And I just messaged her and said, hey, do you want to practice together? Mm-hmm. And then we kind of just sat down and did everything together all the way from quick care mm-hmm. to the program. Um, and we very early on said, look, we'll share everything we have. We won't hold anything back. We won't compete with each other. We'll just be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked really well. And I think I was quite fortunate in finding someone who was happy to do that. How about if they had an answer that you really liked, did you ever copy an answer? <laughs> I, I, I think we we, were, we we had a few moments where we wanted to, but we always rephrased it enough okay. because I think people knew we were quite good friends by the time we were playing yeah, for sure, college sure. and we didn't. It's like you're interviewing the same person. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. I, I think to be fair, if, if I think we were interviewed by two separate panels because uh, there's two panels on the day, um, mm. but they probably would have realized that we had a very similar approach because we just, mm. you know, we worked from... March or April, yes. you know, all the way to September. Um, so it's a lot of work. Okay, so how how long were you practicing for? So so yeah. it, it changes. So for the quick care job, I probably said I would practice about four to six weeks. Yeah. Um, and then for the anesthetic program, um, we started early and slow. So we started in about March. Yep. Um, and we did maybe once every two weeks. Yeah. Um, good. And just spend lots of time thinking, lots of time chatting to people, and formulating ideas. That's a really good idea in terms of make make it part of your DNA rather than yeah. cramming it into your short term memory. Uh, and and it's interesting to hear you speak about how long you've tried because I think every year people have to or seemingly have to do more practice, which is a bit annoying because it becomes a bit of an arms race. Mm. I remember for my um, med school interviews, my practice was in the hotel room the day before the interview, yeah. uh, and my mum wondering what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Uh, and then for I, I practiced two weeks before my interviews, mm. which people thought was a lot. lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I can imagine that, well, did you practice for your med school interviews? Like, I did, but again, not a lot, probably yeah. two weeks. I get two weeks. So yeah. by myself for most of it. The distance between me and Kaz is about that two week mark yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> um, from med school to internship and yeah. training. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I did a very similar thing. I, I, I had one of my, so I got, had lots of people to practice with. Uh, I found registrars above me to practice with. Uh, one of my mates was corporate, got him to ask me questions as well. And the would most, have been really useful. Yeah. And one of the most cringeworthy things was talking in front of a mirror and talking to my relatives, like mm. my sister. Uh, and that was, that was most difficult. But if, if you've got to think, if you can speak in front of your sister or someone you care about and, or yes. a good mate who's going to, I don't know, just have a go at you for saying stupid answers, yeah. that will make you, you, you just can't shy away from that discomfort. Exactly. Yeah. And you want to put yourself in as much uncomfortable positions as possible. So I practice with a lot of consultants. Um, and there's just something about being in the presence of a consultant that, you know, makes you a, a, a bit on edge and like um, very self-aware and very self-conscious that I think is really useful. So I, I came in a lot and did lots of practice with consultants around the department. Um, I did lots with ATYs, yep. um, a couple of fellows um, and yeah, just just really anyone. I'm worried now if people ask me for too much. Yeah. Practice, I, I won't have time, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, so I guess kind of going back to the thing, I think everyone prepares for a different amount of time and, and I'm very mindful not to be prescriptive about how, how early you should study. Mm-hmm. I generally like interviews, but I just decided I'm doing a quick care job. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm trying to get onto anesthesia. Yes. If I'm not trying my best and I don't get on, I'll, I'll feel pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I didn't stress myself out. You know, I took breaks, I took time off. Mm. Um, we went away before the interviews and stuff. So... I think that's all really important. If you're someone, I think at the very least, 
the very least, I would say six weeks. But mm-hmm. I think you need to start thinking about these answers earlier even yeah. if you're not practicing. And yeah, get your resources, write them down, mm-hmm. have a good format to do it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, awesome. So we've gone through that. Now, what are the different types of interviews? So, yeah, pretty much most medical interviews are a panel. And it's like you mentioned, it's, it's good to find out exactly how many, but it varies between what, three to six people. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen more than six people. Uh, and often it can be different staff members or yes. uh, medical workforce, you know, as you mentioned here, community members, yeah. um, as well as your anesthesia staff. And depending on the job, so for cricket jobs, it'll be anesthesia, emergency and ICU as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that kind of that's probably a good point to raise um, is if you do have other specialties in the so if you're applying for a quick care job, mm. most quick care jobs are ostensibly a pre-anesthetic job. Yeah, um, but be in, keep in mind that it is still a quick care job. So I wouldn't I would be mindful about going in there and just saying anesthetics, anesthetics, anesthetics. I think mm. to a degree you need to say you're applying for a critical care position. You do. You know, depending on the job, you do a certain period in anesthesia, but an equal period in other specialties. So yeah. if you're going there saying, oh, well, I don't care about anything other than anesthesia, the other two to whatever members on the panel might be less inclined to pick you. So just just something that yeah, that's I would true, definitely keep in mind. And to think that, I mean, you get so many you know, vital skills from doing ED and ICU that are completely... Mm-hmm. Like, where, where do you learn most of your central lines, for example? Oh. <laughs> or any kind of sepsis management or... Or medicine. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> or medicine. Yeah, that's right. Hey, we do medicine. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about the MMI. So the MMI um, is not really done in quick care anesthesia. It's done nothing for the pediatric program. It's done for a lot of interview uh, internship programs. Um, and I, I'm not 100% sure about the surgical program. I think they tend to vary. Mm-hmm. Um, so MMI is essentially a multi-mini interview. Um, you have multiple rooms with one to two interviewers and they each ask a single question. Sometimes you backtrack through each room mm-hmm. and get asked a second question. And I think the idea behind the MMI is you take away um, any prejudices, you balance out um, any harsh markers with pleasant markers and you take away any potential personal biases you might have yeah. towards people. So from a, from a purely academic perspective, st- st- statistical perspective it seems like a better model yeah well, then you've got to get congruence it's not like someone can go in the panel you go hey what, what do you think and then change their answer based on a feeling of another person or the group exactly yeah, yeah. but i think it has a detriment compared to a panel that you can't build rapport mm-hmm. um i think in a panel interview you have a conversation with you know the six to eight people or whatever in the in the panel and i think that's actually a much better way of and then, then you kind of have a conversation and you make a decision i think there is value in that mm-hmm. Uh, but again, we're not going to let's 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 move away from the uh, Sam Harris philosophy. Um, <laughs> mentioned twice, we should uh, at him on the yeah. podcast. Now, when you get asked by uh, a mem- asked a question by a member of, of the panel, do you answer just to them or do everyone? Good question. So, I think it's pretty fair to respond. Um, I would say predominantly to them. Um, so, I would probably say I would make about two thirds to three quarters of my eye contact with the person asking the question, but I think you should also look around the room at everyone else because yeah. um, you are still talking to the entire panel yeah, absolutely. and, and they're watching you. Um, and it's pretty awful to be looking at someone who's not looking back at you. Um, and I think you want to make people feel comfortable. Yeah, that's right. I'll look, Would you uh, agree with that? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd agree. I'd say a very similar answer that yeah, being able to talk predominantly to the person that answered, mm. to, that asked you the question and then yeah, just, just look at the other people in the room as a normal human being would, that just feels very natural. Exactly. Um, which then actually goes to the point of what is your body language for this? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you reckon? 
I think it's quite difficult. Um, I'm generally quite a quite a relaxed, but I try to like to think I'm quite a relaxed person. Yeah. Um, and and I often assume a relaxed position even when I'm stressed because it changes my mindset. Um, but I think that's quite dangerous in an interview because you, so you don't want to be doing what we're doing here, which is yeah. legs crossed, leaning back. Yeah, this is if you can see on the YouTube on the YouTube video, not the podcast. I am doing exactly the wrong position. Exactly. Yeah, legs crossed. I'm, I'm sitting back like I've just had a big meal, which I have. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I think I, I heard someone. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Mm. Uh, respectful confidence. Yes, like you don't want to be overconfident. That yeah. just you know it, it doesn't necessarily feel right in the sense that. You're in this, um, you know, you're being interviewed for, for a position that you're not actually necessarily qualified for, like you're yes. not a niece this yet. And so I usually have, you know, sit, sitting forward on my seat, mm. you know, in, engaging, looking, looking at the person, minimal hand gestures. But if they are gestures, they're open handed. Uh, and then, you know, just gentle, good eye contact when required, but not staring. Uh, and there's all these little things, but there's not something I did, but uh, what I've realized that over and over in life now that if you are able to record yourself, and see how you've done. And then you can look at those points where, okay, I was, I was staring way too much. I was using my hands way too much. My voice was breaking. I was saying, um, whatever it is, if you were to record yourself doing these practice sessions, uh, I think it'd be a, yeah, you'd you'd gain a lot of insight, Mm. potentially cringe a few bits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually going back to your your earlier point about how I practice, I recorded myself a lot. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, and and I've done that since pretty much preparing for my internship applications. And, um, I think it's a really good way of actually listening to your answers and going, Oh, I actually make no sense or I repeat myself here or I just ramble here or I lost the point here. And you just don't get that sort of insight by just talking at someone because again, they might not be able to remember all that feedback and give it back to you. So I think record yourself. Um, And yeah, sorry, going back to the posture, I completely agree. So I think legs not crossed, don't lean back, um, assume a straight back, be engaged. And I think to a degree mimic the posture of the people in front of you. Um, so what ends up they're leaning back? Well, yeah. I mean, as long as they're not leaning back. <laughs> um, what is it, one of those gain rapport skills in 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cross hands, cross, cross arms, cross arms. <laughs> I guess in, in addition to going through these questions, like, um, mm. what are some other things you can do to prepare? Yeah, so, I mean, you've done a really great list, which I completely agree with here. So um, if you go on the Ansca website, uh, I'm not sure how many people will be Ansca members. I think they're quite a bit could be a fair few, but mm-hmm. you can look up the college statements, the professional document series. Um, and there's some very interesting documents there about various standards and policies. Maybe, I mean, I'll go through the list of things. So college statements or college documents, uh, you know, what other hospitals concerned about at present? You can, you know, go on the hospital website, uh, even just keeping up with local news is probably an interesting and relevant thing, mm. relevant issues in your area, recent publications. For example, the PADI trial was just released uh, just was it a few weeks ago, as well as the new um, uh, POINV, post-operative nausea vomiting guidelines. Um, and it, you know, just any other relevant things, new policies. Uh, I mean, COVID obviously is the most mm. significant thing to happen in our, in our lifetimes, not the century for healthcare. So interestingly, um, last year, yeah. um, <clears throat> Obviously, COVID was very centric, but I think for three separate colleges mm. and another two kind of hospital jobs, they all asked about COVID. Yeah, yeah. One of the jobs was almost like, I think half the questions were variations of yeah. the topic about COVID. So 
I think, as you said, you just have to be very aware of what's happening. Which is not too difficult. Like if you go to meet up with anyone, dinner parties, friends, whatever. You talk about. Yeah, I mean, it comes up at some stage, yeah. right? Because <laughs> it's what's, when people talk about what they do and what yeah. affects them and this is what affects us right now. Yeah, so yeah, uh, there's, there's ways to access this information. So for example, the college professional documents probably a little bit too detailed for what you need to know, mm-hmm. but knowing that they exist. But the college does put out statements and even just the front homepage of the college website, as well as so that's ansca.edu.au, I think, um, or even the Australian Society of Anesthes, they will have a lot of relevant stuff on their homepage. Um, and I think if you're a pre-training years, you can probably become a member of the ASA for free as well. So I think you can, yeah. yeah so that, that might be useful. Uh, and yeah, just keeping abreast with these, just these, you know, whatever new topics there are, I think is always useful. And you yeah. can always ask a current trainee for access to the bulletin. So I went through um, the last three or four bulletins mm-hmm. prior to my interview and you kind of like, kind of identify what the big topics are for the college. Yeah. So they, all, so in the last few years, they were kind of Indigenous health. Um, mm-hmm. They did a lot of work in kind of gender equity mm-hmm. um, recently as well um, and obviously COVID. And then there's a big revamp of um, the trainee portfolio system and the, and the assessment pro, pro, uh, process um, and yeah, and some of the big trials. So I think knowing a little bit about them, you don't have to memorize everything about them, but knowing what the goals are, what the approach is, I think is, yeah, you know, it's a quick takeaway. It's almost, I mean, I mean, the level to which we're, we're talking about a lot of things here, it really is almost like studying for an exam to mm-hmm. a small degree. But again, don't be overwhelmed, being aware of certain things and just consuming, like immersing yourself in this over a period of time is probably the, the you, you know, the best, most useful thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think this is definitely like when you've done everything else, I think you look yeah. at this stuff. Yeah, that's um, right. Get, get your, the stuff we're going to do in the next episode, yeah. which is questions, get that sorted, know yourself. Uh, and then know there's the self. icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. So uh, I've talked about this on another podcast, yeah. um, but Lahira's favorite topic. Yeah. Preparation, right? <laughs> is there any value in doing a dry run on the day um, of the day? Sorry. Yeah. So, so, I haven't done this before, mm-hmm. um, but I think there is some value depending on um, how much uh, anticipation and anxiety it's causing you. And mm-hmm. I think it's fine to do so. Um, a dry run, I guess, to kind of clarify would be pretending like you're going to the interview, finding a place to park, knowing mm-hmm. where to park, knowing how far it is to walk, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding out where the nearest cafe is. Um, and and um, one of the things, like, I don't know how many times you've had to go to a wedding or something and you haven't tried on your suit yeah. until that morning. And, uh, you know, really up, yeah. <laughs> i got to be honest, a couple of times I've just gone, oh, this won't do. I've literally gone to a store down on Chapel Street and just bought a suit off the rack and just, <laughs> just gone straight to the wedding. <laughs> and so I do not let that happen for yeah. interviews yeah. or anything that's you know, super important. Yeah, so, uh, yeah try your know. suit, get it dry cleaned, yeah, get, get all that stuff organized. Get someone else to iron it. Months. I do yeah. a terrible job of that. So oh, I, I just give it to the dry cleaner. I'm like, yeah. make it pretty. Yeah, that's beautiful. right that's right um but get yeah. that get that haircut you know shave for the men um i can't really comment on what a female colleagues have to do to get ready but i think get everything you need to do well in advance and prepare yep. yourself don't leave anything to the last moment yeah um so that's, yeah that's good if you feel good in yourself like you know your suit fits and mm. you know your hair isn't you know the hair is the way you want it to be whatever that is it just makes you feel uh, it makes me feel so much better to do that Need to go in with the fresh cutler. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, so, so you actually did a dry run for your Viva, didn't you? Yeah, you actually in, drove there. I, I drove down there. It was very yeah. close anyway, yeah. so it wasn't a big deal. Uh, so I drove the five kilometers or whatever it was uh, and just went, oh, well, yep, that's the building. Yeah, it's a busy road. There's no parking there. There is parking around the corner. Yeah. Good. 
and uh, yeah, I mean, I always get somewhere early yeah. in general, but yeah. definitely for the exam. I, I'm, I'm a person that just wants to get there. I don't mind sitting around for half an hour to an hour if, as long as I'm there because man, th- things will happen mm. and you just don't want any kind of traffic hiccup or say you're getting a cab. I feel like these days Ubers just aren't getting on time anymore. You know, the yeah. number of cancellations I've got with, yeah. you know, right right your apps has been terrible so yeah I'd, I'd probably book a cab these days just to make sure that i actually yeah actually get get uh you know, actually turns you up yeah go, yeah or just get there really early so um you can get someone to drive you hmm. um organize to have the day off if you can i think it makes a huge difference yep. so um i think i just tend to happen to have the day off because of my roster which is really nice because it meant i had the day off beforehand i had the day off on the day which meant uh, yeah, could just relax afterwards and kind of you know grab a drink and yeah relax a bit, um, which I think is you know uh, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't really do a dry run, but I think because I had someone else driving me on the day, I could kind of let that hmm. part go, and and I just kind of liked it. It was I wasn't doing any preparation beforehand. I just wanted to yep. really get in the zone. No, it's good. Yeah. So um, I think we covered most of the things for this first topic. So yeah. uh, just to can I do a bit of a recap? So we've pretty much gone through the whole point of an interview. Mm-hmm. What really is this panel trying to determine? You know, how should you repair? Sorry, how should you prepare? Uh, and the different types of interviews that you can have, um, as well as a few other things to prepare uh, in terms of the venue and other documents and other relevant things around your specialty. Uh, but yeah, the next episode. So what are, what are we going to cover in the next few episodes? So um, we thought we'd go through all kind of common types of questions that mm-hmm. you're likely to get in a in an interview at this level. Um, obviously, with a slant towards anesthesia and quick care, yes. predominantly anesthesia. Um, so we're going to go through um, the, what, I, what we think are the two key questions. So the motivation, which is why do you want to do anesthesia, and your brand, which is mm-hmm. why should we pick you when mm-hmm. there's 700 people behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next we go on to situational questions, which are the classic tell us about a time type of questions, which I think can be quite challenging. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go a bit more into crisis resource management, so CRM, really getting into leadership, teamwork, communication, and those kind of questions. Then um, broadly into personal attributes, strengths, weaknesses, and a bit more of the general questions. And then finally, um, not finally, so there's a couple more things. And then professional and college questions and clinical questions and where those might come up. And then the dreaded lateral thinking questions yeah, outside right. the bucket. Which are actually the easiest. Now, interestingly, uh, both uh, in CAS, we we pretty much categorize these things separately. Mm. Uh, and then we you know brought it together as we met today. And pretty much we, we have literally gone through exactly the same thing so i I think there's a lot of concordance that's what i was looking for concordance in uh (laughs) in the types of questions that we thought could potentially be asked and uh, i I think i I do believe in kind of the 90 10 rule so you know 10 percent of your preparation will account for 90 percent of your questions really and we'll hopefully be able to go through some of that as well yeah so yeah um the next few episodes we're not sure how many episodes that's going to be but we'll get onto that and uh yeah so Thank you, everyone. Thanks very much for watching and listening. Um, again, please share this with anyone who might be interested, especially especially now that we're coming up to applications and interviews. And yeah, we'll see you all next time. Thanks very much. Bye.